0: The Daily Rios for October 24th, 2012. It's New Comics Wednesday, and this episode I'm going to take a look at not only the new comics that are coming out for today, but also I'm going to take a look at the previews for this month. This would be the Diamond catalog of previews with the October cover date for books mostly shipping in December. And we'll talk about those books at the end of the episode. I do have to say, going through the list today, there wasn't much that I thought was noteworthy, unless I missed something in the few times that I actually went through the list. But the actual recommendations for today is kind of small, and kind of very mainstream, but that's okay. Some weeks are better than others. Not to say that there aren't any good things here, but it'll allow me to do a short New Comics Wednesday and then also do previous as well. So let's start. And we're going to start at Dark Horse. Dark Horse presents issue 17, $7.99, in stores today. And this issue features the return of Michael T. Gilbert's Mr. Monster. So if that's of any interest. Also, Star Wars Agent of the Empire trade paperback volume 1, Iron Eclipse. $18.99, $18.99, collects the five-issue miniseries by John Ostrander, and they are now doing a second miniseries with the same lead character of Johan Cross, and this is a collection of the first miniseries that was quite enjoyable. So by all means, flip through it, check it out. It takes place during the time of the second trilogy, the prequel trilogy, uh, but uh, it's a it's a new sort of character and a new twist not not a new twist, but a, just a new approach to uh, whatever's going on in that in that time frame. And lastly, from Dark Horse, Ghost Number One, picking up right where Ghost Zero left off, by Kelly Sue DeConnick and Phil Nodo. From DC Legion Secret Origin Trade Paperback, fourteen dollars and ninety nine cents by Paul Levitz and Chris Batista. These stories do take place with the new DC-52 reboot continuity, I believe the first issue... its It was a six-issue miniseries. I believe the first issue came out the second month of DC's re- reboot. So when they were hitting issue two, I think the first issue came out. I think. I could be wrong. I, I didn't pull up my notes for um, my, my chronology of all the comics that I purchased. So I, I can't remember. But... Uh, regardless, it is uh, uh, the Legion Secret Origin, and if you've never jumped into Legion, this could be this could be an interesting way to maybe jump in and, and kind of get a sense an overview of the character and the franchise, the characters I should say in the franchise. So Legion Secret Origin trade paperback in stores today, National Comics Madam X, four dollars and ninety nine cents, written by Rob Williams, art by Trevor hersine Now, that is Madame Xanadu. This is a new take on Madame Xanadu, just for this National Comics one-shot. Both of those creators worked on Class War for ComX in the early 2000s, if anybody remembers that series. Um, Trevor's artwork is kind of Brian Hitch-esque. It lives in that world, uh, very um, widescreen, I guess you could call it. I guess that's what they do call Brian Hitch. And then Trevor would go on to draw Ultimate 6, and also X-Men, Deadly Genesis, and also the Wisdom miniseries from Max. So National Comics, Madame X, one-shot, and I believe this might be the last one-shot from the National Comics line for a while. There was some talk that these were pitches that DC Entertainment had requested. Possible pitches for uh, maybe movies, TV series, some kind of other media stuff. And that's why these National Comics uh, one-shots with The Looker, with Kid Eternity, Rose and Thorn. that's why they feel a little bit different than even from the reboot from the New 52 uh, reboot. So National Comics, uh, that line uh, was only going to be around for a little bit anyway and so this is the last for now. And then lastly from DC, Talon number one also spinning out Of The Zero Issue by Scott Snyder, James Tinian, art by Gia March, a character from the Court of Owls concept, and spinning off into a new ongoing series, part of DC's Third Wave. From Image, it's always a good week when a new Profit Issue comes out. Profit Issue 30 is out today. From Tomorrow's Alter Ego 113, covering the first ten years of Marv Wolfman's career in comics. Tomb of Dracula, Teen Titans, Captain Marvel, John Carter, Daredevil, Nova, Batman, and more. Alter Ego, uh, with an $8.95 cover price, spearheaded by Roy Thomas. So check that out if your store buys products from Tomorrow's Publishing. And the last thing for New Comics Wednesday, and I talked about this last episode, and it showed up on Diamond's List this episode, is Terry Moore's How to Draw Number 5, How to Draw Comics. So if it wasn't in stores last week or if you didn't look for it or find it last week, maybe it's out today. But it was on Diamond's List today, and that'll wrap up his series as well. I'm sure he'll collect all those how-to eventually. Uh, But uh, the fifth one is in stores today. So that was short and sweet. So I'm able to dig into previews. Again, this is for the October catalog for book shipping, mostly in December. Now, in December... I don't know if people know this, but Diamond has this thing where they're not going to ship comics the week of Christmas. So on the 26th, only a few books are coming out. Amazing Spider-Man 700, I think an Aquaman issue, a Before Watchmen issue, maybe Justice League, and a few others. Uh, But that's it. Since they held off on shipping books for the 26th, a lot of what was in this previews has been bumped to the first week in January. Now, January has five Wednesdays, so I guess they could get away with moving everything that would have been in that last week in December into the first week of January. Now, what's interesting is, you know, certainly with DC, all their titles, the ones that started with the reboot, started at number one, are up to, for in December, are up to issue 15. So we'll get some of those in December, But then in January, we get a whole slew. What would have come out in the last week of December, the issue 15s for that last week are going to come out in January. So in January, we're going to get issue 15s for one week, and then I assume for the remaining four weeks, we'll get the issue 16. So it's kind of weird that Diamond did that, and, and, and now that sort of... It doesn't really throw anything off. But if they're able to keep all issue 16s in the month of January... Because they haven't been, although some books have been late here and there, very, very, very minor few books have been late, they've been keeping all of the same numbers in a given month. If you look at everything that started with the reboot, you know, they're up to issue, with with October, they're up to issues 13. And then the second wave, I believe they're up to issue, uh, I don't know, 5 or 6 or something like that, or maybe 7, or I think it's 5 or 6. And now they're obviously starting the whole third wave, and then next year we'll get a fourth wave. So, yeah, a little weird, this whole Diamond skip month. Uh, And then it also means for the 19th of December, I don't know if anybody, if if you've done your order for for, uh, December, all the books that are coming out on the 19th of December, I have a huge list. It's like they're trying to squeeze in as much as they can, and of course with Marvel's infamous double shipping, uh, on the 19th, there are just a slew of books. So, all right. So let's uh, let's go through what I'm recommending in October previews for books mostly shipping in December. We have Black Beetle Night Shift Zero from Dark Horse, featuring a brand new cover, 24 pages of material originally presented in Dark Horse Presents issues 11 through 13. Also some bonus sketch material and art. This is by Francesco Francavilla, who. Maybe some of you know from Black Panther Man Without Fear or maybe some Dynamite books. The first time I came across his artwork was from Ape Entertainment from The Black Coat. This was years ago, 2005, 2006. I discovered his work at its earliest uh, possibility and have followed him ever since. He's an amazing artist. He is a generous man. He is an incredible man. You see him at Heroes Con a lot and some other conventions And this uh, Black Beetle Night Shift one-shot, I can't wait to see it. Although I do collect Dark Horse Presents, I haven't read uh, that material yet in those later issues, but I will still be getting this one-shot. I'll read the blurb here. It says, When a powerful totem of dark magic shows up at the Colt City Natural History Museum, Hitler sends his fearsome werewolf corpse to collect the piece. Unfortunately for the Fuhrer, Colt City's protector, the Black Beetle, is on the case. Sounds like Golden Age fun mixed in with uh, Francesco's particular style of artwork. So by all means, check it out. From Image, Blackacre number one. I am purely going on this because of the solicit, because Image seems to be putting out a lot of this space opera, sci-fi, fantasy stuff that I'm enjoying. And this kind of is going along those lines. It's by Duffy Boudreaux, art by Wendell Cavalcanti. And it says here, 100 years after the fall, a new great game begins. A retired soldier on a secret mission sent out from the walled city and the only life he's ever known into the violent wilderness of the world after the fall. Tribal cults, roaming roaming bands of barbarians, vicious warlords, a startling new take on the post-apocalypse and the most auspicious comics debut of the year. Now that's saying a lot. I did enjoy the first issue of Planetoid, and I know that got a lot of hype. And we shall see if Blackacre Black Acre, uh, lives up to the hype of this uh, solicit. I know they're not usually always responsible for that. But I'll give it an issue, maybe two, if it strikes my fancy. And then we have Change 104, also from Image. This is by Alice Cott, art by Morgan Jesky. And Alice Cott was the writer of uh, Wild Children, which was a one-shot from... It was like a graphic novel novella from Image with art by Riley Rossmo that I really enjoyed. And I figured, well, I'm going to give this one a shot as well because of his writing and also because of the premise. And that is here, a foul-mouthed, struggling screenwriter who moonlights as a car thief, an obscenely wealthy rapper completely disconnected from the real world, a dying cosmonaut on his way back to Earth. Los Angeles is being toyed with by destructive forces that repeatedly find the city through time and swallow it whole. And those three are the only people able to save it if they survive the fanatics who live in the hills, National Security Agency agents, and the horrors that lurk in the Pacific Ocean. Miniseries probably could be read in a trade, but I'm going to get the first issue and see what I think. And then lastly from Image, uh, oh no, two more. Mara, one of six, another miniseries. This one by Brian Wood, art by Ming Doyle and Jordi Belair. And this is the story of an especially gifted woman in a sports and war-obsessed future. Young Mara Prince is at the top of the world, a global celebrity in a culture that prizes physical achievement above all else. After she manifests supernatural abilities on live TV, she becomes famous all over again, but for the worst reasons, integrating themes of superpowers, celebrity worship, corporate power, feminism, and political brinksmanship. Mara takes a classic genre to new places. I thought the image made her look like a vampire, so I wasn't sure what I thought about this, but I'll try it. You know, the massive... You know, I stuck around for an issue or two, and just, eh, that was kind of it. But this is a mini-series, so uh, I'll try it and see what happens. And lastly, my pick from Image out of previews. The Butcher Baker Righteous Maker hardcover collecting all eight issues by Joe Casey with art by Mike Huddleston. You have to get this if you didn't get the issues, if it's something that, that you'll enjoy. The premise here, at the at one time, Butcher Baker was the preeminent all-American superhero. Now he's getting laid, a lot. But one last mission could signal his return to glory, and now he's back on the blacktop. It's a balls-out, pimp-slapping, surreal super-epic from the twisted minds of Joe Casey and Mike Huddleston. And yes, it is twisted. It is very twisted, it is a commentary on superhero comics. It is a commentary on superhero comic creators. It is out there. It is far beyond anything you saw in, say, something like Casanova. It is just a great book. I remember when the first issue hit, I would, I just had to talk about it as much as I could to, so that people could, would pick it up. It's just I, I just love it. I know some people probably would be turned off by it, but I think it's fantastic. And here it is in a hardcover. So check that out in the new previews. From DC, Batman Night of Owls gets a hardcover, over 350 pages, twenty nine ninety nine. as this is due in February, collecting the entire Knight of Owls crossover. So if anybody was interested in that, I know they did two collections, but now here's a hardcover. Great story, uh, little I've read of it from what I hear, what I hear about it. Uh, so if you're, lo- you're a hardcover person and you want to pick it up, there you go. And my pick from DC for uh, the previews, House of Secrets Omnibus hardcover. I have to imagine Mr. Phil, Vindy Spinarak is probably interested in this if he doesn't uh, already have the issues. Stephen T. Siegel, Teddy Christensen, Duncan Fergredo, and more. This is due in February as well, 75 bucks. Although I did see on DCBS they're offering it for 50% off. Now this is collecting the House of Secrets series from Vertigo. It's about 25 issues, and there's a few other stories that they're including in this. And it's, it's really good. It's really different and really good. And Teddy Christensen's art is different, especially for that time. Uh, the premise here is teenage runaway Rain Harper becomes part of a supernatural justice system when she takes up a residence in a haunted mansion. Holding court within the abandoned house, five otherworldly ghostly sp- spirits, known as the Juris, hypnotically summon people to their location and judge them for their secrets. That they keep. Acting as a witness that binds the jurists' trials to this plane of existence, Rain is forced to validate their decisions as she simultaneously tries to save the defendants from their sentences. And, you know, you, you get the premise, but then you also get a lot of the backstory of the jurists, and those stories are fantastic. And then you learn about Rain, and by the end, you know, you think one way, and then you think another way. And it's a great series that you could probably find in the back issue bins, but here you have it all in one. If you're a fan of the Omnibus editions, uh, this, is, this would be definitely one that, that would uh, be worthy on your shelf. From Marvel, the Marvel Now books that are coming out that I'll, that I'll be picking up, the new ones that I'll be picking up. Uh, obviously Uncanny Avengers and FF and and some other titles are already in the works by December, but the new ones out for December, we have Avengers Arena miniseries, which is uh, they're putting out two issues this month of December. Cable and X-Force they're putting out two issues. Thunderbolts, they're putting out two issues. Uh, and, And there's some other titles. I mean, Iron Man, although it's not new for December, they're putting out issues three and four. I mean, they're really trying to load up on this Marvel Now stuff. And then, of course, when six months go by and they have 12 issues out of the same writer, they'll probably crow and say, see, we did it. We didn't have to change our writers, but that's because you're making them work like monkeys. It's crazy. It's crazy how they're doing the schedule. And a lot of these issues are three ninety nine, dollars and, and I can't imagine being a Marvel fan and picking all this up and, and wanting to stay with it. With every Marvel Now release, it's so expensive. So, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to read, like I said, I'm going to read everything for at least a couple issues. I can't even say months, because a couple months means six issues, and I'm not going to be reading that much. But those are the things I'm interested in, and we'll see how they go, and I'll certainly do reviews of them on the show. We have from Action Lab, Pirate Eye One-Shot, $3.99. This is Pirate Noir. If you like Private Eye stories, if you like pirate stories, then definitely check out Pirate Eye. And this is by Joe Gron, with art by Carl Yonder. Action Lab's mixing some genres there with a Pirate Eye one-shot. That's awesome. From ComX, this looks really great. Uh, The little I've seen of it, the, the previews. This is Babel, the graphic novel, by Lee Robson, and art by Brian Coyle. Carrie Hartnell is a girl going nowhere fast until a chance encounter with an ex-boyfriend affords her the opportunity of a new career in Ivy League America, working as part of a research team attempting to resurrect the language of Babel, a language that can be understood by any human from anywhere in the world. As Carrie pieces together her fractured life, she becomes embroiled in the mystery surrounding the apparent suicide of the project's original team leader, which propels her to uncover the horrific truth about the language and why it was written out of the history books. I'll put a link up so you can check it out for yourself if if it sounds interesting. This might have shipped at one point or another in previous years, but it's in previews, maybe with a new edition, and it looked cool. The cover looked cool, the premise sounded cool, the little previews I saw sounded cool, so I'll be getting that. From Drawn and Quarterly, this might also have come out before. In fact, I'm pretty sure it has. And now they're doing another edition of this, Don't Go Where I Can't Follow, by Anders Nilsson. It's a tender collection of letters, photographs, and drawings that Anders has compiled in memory of his fiancée, Cheryl Weaver, who died of cancer in November of 2005. It is an appreciation of the time they shared together and a heartbreaking account of the progression of her illness. From early love notes, simple and poetic postcards, and tales of their travels together in written and comics form, to Nielsen's journal entries and drawings done in the hospital during her final days, and the beautifully rendered tear-jerking account of Weaver's memorial. Don't Go Where I Can't Follow is a deeply personal romance and a universal reminder of our, of our mortality and the significance of the relationships we build. I'll include a link as well for many of these uh, other publishers so you can uh, look at the work for yourself. We also have Susceptible by Genevieve Castré. It's a story of Genevieve, a daydreamer, growing up in Quebec in the 80s and 90s with a, with a single mother. From a skillful artist comes a moving, beautiful story about families, loss, and growing up. Whether she's discussing nature versus nurture or the story of her birth, she imbues her storytelling with a quiet power and a confidence in the strength of imagery. Another book that just looked interesting from the premise and the cover image. This is also from Drawn and Quarterly. From Fanfare, again, sometimes some things just stick out in previews and I have to recommend them. Lost in Fog, this is a collection of adapted stories from books that were found in uh, the author's uh, grandfather's library and adapted into what they're calling Fierce Woodcup Style, which I, I don't know what that is and I didn't look it up. I'll include a link, you can take a look, judge for yourself, it looked interesting to me. From Fantagraphics, Seven Miles a Second. This used to be a Vertigo series, and this was put out in 1996, and now it is collected here in with uh, Fantagraphics. It is the story of legendary artist David Wojnarowicz, uh, written during the last years before his age-related death in 1992, and drawn by James Romberger. The graphic novel depicts David's childhood of prostitution and drugs on the streets of Manhattan through his adulthood, living with AIDS, and his anger at the indifference of government and health agencies. This was an instant critical success, but struggled to find an audience. It has become a cult classic, and what I liked about the premise of it was that uh, they mentioned that it really uses the comics medium to tell its story, and from the little that I've seen, I I can say, yes, it does. It's It's uh, a little bit mind-bending, and it uses the comic page in interesting ways. I'll provide a link uh, 7 Miles a Second. Looks great. Fanographics From Microcosm, we have Mark Twain Was Right. This is by Dan P. Moore. It's his first graphic novel, and it charts the course of the 2001 Cincinnati riots, the largest urban unrest since the 1992 L.A. riots. This book is an engaging work of journalism as narrative comic, tracing the riots' genesis from the senseless police killing of a 19-year-old black man to the man's funeral six days later. What results is a tumultuous cocktail of nonviolent civil disobedience, frustration-fueled looting, and further police violence. Interviews with peoples of varying perspectives, activists, community leaders, a looter, bystander, etc., weaving a tale of inner-city community coming together. 96 pages, Mark Twain was right, This is from Microcosm, and I'll put a link on the website as well. We have uh, two more here. We have Pariah Trade Paperback volume 1 with art by Brett Weldley. A story of teenage Vitros, who are characters from all over the world who possess beyond human intelligence through uh, genetic manipulation. And then, of course, something goes wrong, and they're on the run, and the government has to scoop them all up. And there is a volume two that is starting in this month's previews as well. But here is the first trade paperback that I thought someone might be interested in. I'll provide a link to the website. It has a lot of character synopsis and biographies and plot points and some artwork uh, to let you see what the book is about. And if it's interesting, the, as I said, the volume one trade paperback is out in previews this month. And then they're also soliciting this month the start of volume two. And finally, from tomorrow's in previews in October for uh, possibly January or February, we have back issue 62, 84 full color pages, $8.95, with a spotlight on Superman in the Bronze Age, Julius Schwartz, Kurt Swan, the Superman backup story, Superman family, and Atomic Skull history, World of Krypton, which is Comic's first miniseries. The Golden Age Superman, The Supermobile, Alan Moore's Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. A whole bunch of stuff they're going to cover with commentary and art by Neil Adams, Murphy Anderson, Nick Carty, Howard Chaikin, Paul Kupperberg, Bob Oxner, Denny O'Neill, Martin Pasco, Bob Rozakis, Alex Saviak, and more. And this is all edited by Michael Urie. And the reason I love it is because it has a Superman vs. Bizarro cover by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez with inks by Scott Williams and it looks beautiful. And when I saw it I absolutely had to have it and absolutely had to share it. There you go, everything I saw in previews from October for December that looked interesting to me. I'm looking forward to see what happens with this whole Diamond Skip Week and what it does to the publishers and you know what they're going to put out in January and how they have to catch up. I don't know, it's just going to be really interesting. That is it for today's episode of The Daily Rios. If you need to get a hold of me, it's Peter at TheDailyRios.com. Visit the website, TheDailyRios.com. Subscribe through iTunes. Leave a comment, if you will, there. And since it is the month of Scorpio in terms of horoscopes and astrology, and I am a Scorpio, although although it started yesterday and I just didn't think about it to do this for yesterday, uh, I'm going to leave you with random horoscopes that I find on the internet uh, for the next uh, 30 days or so. So here it is, your first Scorpio horoscope for October 24th. Enjoy, and I will see you tomorrow. And here's your Wednesday stars. It's not such a bad day, but you've got to get over the first part of it. And the first part of it says to me, too many rumours, too many people saying things, too many people like the sound of their own voice. Could be you, but it's more likely to be others. Watch out for young people who answer back as well. They need to be put in their place, and now. Otherwise, they'll think they can get away with blue murder later. Don't let them. Later on today, good for business, good for you.